So today's message is titled, A Biblical View of Our Need for Knowledge. First, we're going to take a look at why we need to pursue knowledge. Then we're going to take a look at how to pursue knowledge effectively. And lastly, we'll look at uh, how to overcome some common hindrances in this area. All right. Um, so I'm going to start off by stating my premise for this sermon. Um, we all need knowledge, and it's impossible to succeed at what God has called us to do as Christians without obtaining the necessary knowledge to do so. So uh, you'll see that in more detail in a bit, but that is the premise. That is what this is built on. All right, first thing we're going to do, look at why we need to pursue knowledge. So... I've got like five groups of reasons, five reasons. So the first one is that the scriptures highly value knowledge. Uh, let's take a look at that. Uh, if we could look at Proverbs 23, verse 23. Buy truth and do not sell it. Buy wisdom, instruction, and understanding. It seems to think knowledge and wisdom are important. All right, let's look at Proverbs 8, verse 10. Uh, take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. And let's take a look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Law and life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So that brings me to something I accidentally skipped. I want to quickly talk about uh, knowledge and wisdom, um, or at least define wisdom. So wisdom is knowing how to use knowledge and how to apply it correctly. Um, not all knowledge is wisdom, but all wisdom is knowledge, because wisdom is a type of knowledge. Wisdom is knowing uh, how to use knowledge. So that being said, I'm going to use the word knowledge throughout the rest of the sermon, including wisdom. So just so there's no confusion. But um, the Bible highly values knowledge. Um, so we have some verses that talk about how it's more precious than gold, more precious than jewels. We need the wisdom of God. Now we're going to look at some verses that show wise people pursue knowledge. Uh, Proverbs 18.15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. By implication, if we don't seek knowledge, if we don't value it enough to seek it regularly on at least a weekly basis, we're not wise people. Proverbs 15, 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. So the scriptures teach that Christians should pursue and want knowledge. The second reason why we need to pursue knowledge is because lack of knowledge can be dangerous or even destructive. Let's look at Proverbs 19, verse 2. Desire without knowledge is not good, and whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. So some translations say uh, zeal without knowledge is not good, or enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. Passion without knowledge is not good. Like I used to, in my younger days as a Christian, had, um, you know, 
was just getting on fire for the Lord and had a lot of passion, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge. And I kind of went off the deep end for a month or two or seven or, <laughs> but you know, not, passion without knowledge can lead you to some dangerous places. <laughs> can be dangerous. All right. Um, Hosea chapter four, verse six. This is, um, so the prophet Hosea wrote this when I think Judah was going into exile. Um, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. So that's pretty serious. Um, That definitely shows the importance. It also shows, so when we say knowledge, I use that term kind of broadly because it encompasses a lot because there's a lot of knowledge that Christians need to know, that Christians need to pursue. But, you know, knowing God's word, knowing God, having the wisdom to follow God's word, that's part of the knowledge we need and need to pursue. And Israel didn't have that, and they were destroyed for the lack of it. Next verse I want to look at, um, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 12. For the protection, this is kind of the inverse of that. Um, For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So lack of knowledge can be dangerous and lead to destruction, but the opposite, having knowledge and having wisdom is protection. It protects you from um, you know, pitfalls that you might not otherwise see. Third reason, this one's an important one. You can't worship God well without pursuing knowledge. You can't. All right. Um, You need to love God with all your mind. Let's look at Matthew 22, verses 37. So this is um, when the Pharisee asked Jesus about the greatest commandment. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. If you're not engaging your mind in pursuing God, you're not You're like holding back on worshiping God. Another verse that shows this. John chapter 4, verses 23 through 24. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So we need God's spirit to regenerate us and, to, and dwell our spirit in order to be worshiping God in spirit. But we also need to worship God in truth. You know, if we don't know God, we're not worshiping him in truth. Truth is knowledge. That's how you're worshiping God in truth. So if you're not pursuing knowledge, you're not worshiping God well. That doesn't mean any knowledge, but like knowledge of God. You can't be worshiping God well if you don't pursue knowing God deeper. Or at least not as well as you could be. Next reason. Knowledge equips you to be effective and to succeed, to succeed at what you're doing or at what God has called you to do. Let's take a look at Proverbs 24, verse 5. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might. Ecclesiastes 10, 9 through 10. 
He who queries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. Proverbs 24, verse 4. By knowledge, rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. And I really like this next one, um, Exodus 31, 1 through 5. So this is when the tabernacle was being built, the instructions were being given. And, um, and the Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name uh, Bezael, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood, to work in every craft. God knew he needed knowledge to succeed at the thing God was calling him to do. And God does provide knowledge. Well, we'll look at that a bit later, but, you know, we don't need to just be relying on ourselves. We do need to be active. We need to be pursuing knowledge, but God gives knowledge. That's a big theme in Proverbs. God is the giver of wisdom. I would say you can't be effective or as effective in your life as you should be without pursuing knowledge. It's helpful in practically every area of your life. And I've got a, a list of a few of them. Worship. You know, the more you know God, the more you can glory in who he is. So knowledge helps you to worship God, knowing God. It helps for righteousness. The more you know God's law, the more equipped you are to actually do it. The more you know about the process of sanctification, the easier it is to be involved in it, to be engaged in it. Marriage definitely helps with that. Um, you know, knowing about conflict solving and good conflict solving practices. Relationships, again, kind of the same thing, but having, you know, there's a lot you can learn from listening to wise Christians and from reading books that would help you in every area of life. It will help relationships. It helps marriages. Knowledge equips one to be effective and to succeed. Finances. The more you know about finances, the better equips you are to handle your finances well, and to make more money. Your career. You know, the more you know about what you're doing, improving your skills, gaining knowledge in that area, knowing about resumes and whatnot and all that, the more equipped you are to succeed in your career. Parenting. Uh, the more you know about parenting, there's a lot to learn. I need to learn a lot about that. Um, you know, the more equipped you are to be a better parent. Even leisure. Like, so I've been getting into cooking recently. And, um, and the more I learn about like, how to properly like, brown a thing and the cast iron and why you should use cast iron instead of Teflon so you can get that sear that you're looking for, like, you can have more fun in life if you know more. I have more fun because I know more about cooking because I spent the time to learn more about cooking. Like Knowledge helps you have more fun in life. <laughs> Evangelism. The more you know about apologetics, the more you know God's word, the more equipped you are for evangelism. Counseling. To be good at counseling, you have to have some knowledge and some wisdom, for sure. Um, definitely helps you to succeed in that. So knowledge equips you to be effective and to succeed in every area of your life, basically. It's definitely not the only thing you need to succeed, and we'll get into that in a bit. But without knowledge, like passion without knowledge, zeal without knowledge is not good. The guy who is cutting logs, if he doesn't have the wisdom to sharpen the blade, he can still get the logs cut, but he won't be able to cut as many in one day. He won't be as effective. He won't be as successful. 
in some of those areas, um, pursuing knowledge well can actually drastically increase them, like career and finances can be drastically more effective than you otherwise would be, but it depends. Um, next point, you can't love God or people, or at least not well, without pursuing knowledge. So as we just saw, knowledge equips you to you know, do stuff better, but serving God and serving others requires doing stuff. So if, if you're not willing to seek to get better at that, then you're neglecting to serve God better and you're neglecting to serve others better. If, you're if you have the opportunity to serve God better and to serve others better and you neglect it, you're neglecting to love them. To love God. And if you expect to be able to say you want to be involved in counseling, if you want to like really help people, but expect to be able to do so without regularly growing in knowledge, that's ridiculous. We should all be competent to counsel. Um, Paul says that in one of his letters. And you don't need to like study for years and years, you just need to be consistent. You need to be regularly growing. Everyone should be regularly trying to grow in knowledge. Um, so that's my reasons of why it's important. But before we move on, we do need to have a balanced view of knowledge. Now that I've said all that, um, in all the areas we just briefly looked at where knowledge can help you to be more effective, knowledge alone won't cut it. You need character and you need love love for God and love for others. If you, if you have knowledge but don't have character, you're still going to fail. You're not going to accomplish what you're supposed to accomplish if you have knowledge without character. And you definitely won't you know, succeed at the most important thing in life, loving God and loving others, if you don't have character. So don't think that knowledge is secured to everything. That's what like the atheistic worldview teaches. Knowledge is secure to everything. No, it's not. If you knew everything but didn't have character, you'd be really bad off and you'd hurt a lot of people. Not only that, but um, I want to take a look at 1 Corinthians 8.1. Forgot to write this one in my notes. Uh, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So this is a, another example. You need both. He's not saying don't have knowledge. Like, knowledge is important. He gets to that later on in the epistle. But um, don't have knowledge without love. Don't have love without knowledge and don't have knowledge without love. You need both. There's a proverb. I didn't write it down. It's not in my notes. But um, he who blesses his friend in the loud, with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. That's love without knowledge. It's not good. <laughs> Nobody enjoys that. You know, if, if my neighbor wakes up at 4 a.m. and just starts yelling about how much he loves me, I'm going to be kind of upset with him. <laughs> he can tell me later. <laughs> All right. Now that we've gone over that, uh, the second part of this sermon, how to pursue knowledge effectively. So this is not at all comprehensive. None of this is comprehensive. Um, there's more that could be helpful, but this is a, a pretty good, solid understanding. I have four key things that will help a person to pursue knowledge effectively. And if you do all four of these things, it's going to be hard to not be growing. Like, you're going to have to really try to not be growing if you're practicing these four things regularly and still not growing in, like, knowledge. Um, first one, you need to have or you need to get an idea of what you need to learn. So what really helped me to realize this, um, so I have a computer certification called an A+, and when I was first getting my A+, you know, I didn't know what I needed to learn. So this is this giant exam, the A-plus exam, 
and, um, and I have to somehow know enough to pass this exam. What do I need to know? Who knows? That would be a problem. But fortunately, they gave me this piece of paper with all the things I need to know on them. It doesn't give me details about them. It doesn't tell me where to learn about them. It's just a list of what I need to know. And if I trust the people who made this, the good old CompTIA agency, um, if it's a good list and I know everything on it, that means I'm a competent IT person. That's what they and several other companies who trust them believe. And it's reasonable. They know what they're talking about. Um, but that was one of the most helpful things ever for me learning, like just having a list of this is what you need to know, and if you know these things, then you know this well. Getting an overview of what it takes to know a thing is one of the most helpful things you can do in learning a thing. And like after that experience, whenever learning something, I try to do that, like learning JavaScript, learning uh, other programming languages I have to learn. I try to make a list for myself um, of what would I need to know to know this well. And it keeps me on track, and it keeps me uh, being effective and not wasting time, and it's very helpful. And I would recommend that for any area where one needs more knowledge. There's a lot of them. I would recommend that for Bible study. Make a list of the things that you need to know more about. But how can you know what you don't know? Well, we'll get into that. I think this will revolutionize your study life if you start doing this in all the areas you're studying in. Um, but before we get into that, there's four ways that this helps that I want to point out. Having something like this, a list of the things you need to learn, it helps you to avoid wasting time because it helps you focus on what's important and what's relevant and what you need to know in this area. So it, it keeps you from wasting time. Secondly, it keeps you from developing knowledge that's too partial. Um, just like not knowing something is dangerous, half knowing something can be dangerous some things more than others, especially, you know, knowing God. If a person only knows that God's loving, but they don't know that he's just, that's dangerous. They might actually be better off not knowing that he's loving if they don't know both. It'd be better if they knew both. Um, so partial knowledge is dangerous, but having a list of everything you need to learn in an area keeps you from developing partial knowledge, as long as it's a good list. Um, it also helps you to develop a time frame um, for learning something. Like if you have a list of what you need to know to know something well, then you can develop a time frame for how much time you have to put into it to really study it and to really get it. And number four, it helps you to be able to teach others. So you've got your list of things you need to learn, you put in the time, you learn them. Now you have this list of things people need to know to get this, and you can use it to teach others. It's very helpful. Now, this will obviously be different in each area of life. So like for marriage, that might be learn to resolve conflict, um, learn to communicate. You know, uh, it'll, that's not really what I need to know JavaScript, but <laughs> just as an example. So it's going to be different for each area of life, and you should think about it for each area of your life. So again, how do you know what you don't know? How can you obtain this? So I've got three things that hopefully help. Number one, ask someone else who knows a lot in this area. So if you have something you want to know, say you want to grow on apologetics. Well, in order to become, like, to really know my apologetics, what do I need to know? What do I need to learn? If you could figure that out and have a list of the things you need to learn, it'd be really helpful. So if you can, if you know someone who knows a lot about apologetics, ask them, what are a list of the things that I would need to learn that would make me really get it well? Ask people who know things. That's the most helpful thing you can do to do this. Ask people who know things. They will be able to help. And, um, and again, having a list like this is really helpful. It keeps you focused and it keeps you effective. Second, if you don't you know, have a friend who knows a lot about the thing you want to learn about, 
something I think is helpful is to find multiple books on it. You don't need to buy them or even necessarily read the books, but skim the table of contents or read the table of contents on like a bunch of different books on it. If anything's in the table of contents on multiple books on the subject, that means multiple people who know it all think this thing is important. It means it's important. So add it to the list. You know, if you do that, you'll get a pretty good list of the things you need to know in whatever area you're trying to learn in, whatever area you're trying to grow in. The third thing I think can be helpful, um, looking up lists online. Some lists like this already exist in a number of areas, and if you just Google them, you can find them sometimes. But that's number three for a reason. The first. The first one's the most likely to be helpful, second one's second most likely, so on and so forth. You need to prioritize well, because you only have so much time to learn anything, but having lists like this help you to prioritize well. Hmm. So. So I actually, for some homework and as an exercise, I want people to try this. I think if you really do this in areas, this will change the way you learn. So I made this little thing. Um, it's a sheet of paper, two sides, got eight little squares on it, eight lists. Bible knowledge, career skills, relationship skills, finances, parenting, evangelism, apologetics, and other. Other because we all have areas that might be unique to us that we need to learn stuff in. So one second before you pass that out. So I'm going to give that out, and I would like people to fill that out today or later this week. And if you could do the three things on this list, ask someone who knows a lot in that area, or skim tables of contents to figure out what you need to learn in that area, that would be great. Um, Actually, go ahead and pass that out. And while John Luke is passing that, those out, um, while I'm talking about this, you know what else is already a list of stuff like this? The foundational book list. It's, it's already a list of stuff you need to know. And so I figure I can't just not talk about this without giving a shameless plug for that. Um, but I actually have a second tool that I want to give out today. It's a spreadsheet about the foundational book list. Uh, Byron will pass it out in a second. It has each book, how many pages each book is, whether it's available on Kindle or not, whether it's available on Audible or not, how long it is on Audible, a checkbox for whether you've completed it, and a place to set a goal date if you haven't. So the whole foundational book list I calculated out yesterday, it would only take a person 60 hours to get through. So a lot of these books are shorter than you'd think they are. There's only two books that have more than 200 pages. A person could do this in 60 hours. And seven out of 12 have audiobooks. So Byron, you can go ahead and pass this out now. This is your homework. I will talk about it again towards the end of the message. These are both very helpful things. Fill out the list and fill out the uh, foundational book list thing with the completed and potential goal dates because most of those books don't take that long. What? Yeah, hey David, can we update this with my other points? Oh, no, wait, you're right. Sorry, Deanna, I, I didn't fill out this PowerPoint as much as I should have. Thank you, David. <laughs> I got busy and did not fill out this PowerPoint as much as I could have. <laughs> thank you, John Luke, and thank you, Byron. What? Um, I couldn't hear what you said. Uh, you can get it after service.
All right. Point number two um, on the list of four keys to more effective learning. Number two, we need, you need to make good use of your time for learning. So everyone only has so much time for learning, and all learning takes time. You're not going to learn without spending time on it. So you need to, A, spend time learning, and B, you should make your best efforts to try to use that time effectively. Um, before we get into that in more detail, I, I want to read the verse Proverbs 10.14, because um, it, it shows a point. Great amounts of knowledge are built up little by little, week by week. It's about consistency. I really love Proverbs 10.14. The wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. The wise lay up knowledge. It's almost like laying up money. You do it little by little, paycheck by paycheck. Like you don't just suddenly, um, most people don't amass a ton of money at once. Even fewer people amass a ton of knowledge at once. Knowledge is laid up little by little, consistently. We should have it our goal to be wise. The wise lay up knowledge. We should be laying up knowledge little by little, week by week. It accumulates. It accumulates like wealth, and it, it has synergy to it like wealth does. <laughs> All right. So I guess I have a few tips on how to be more effective with your time and using your time for learning. I should have put them on my PowerPoint, but I've got four of them. Um, plan your time ahead, like plan it out ahead. Like if you have, once you fill out this list of you know, things you need to learn, um, you know, when you're planning each week, Set aside some time, like an hour for this, half an hour for that, you know, what have you. It depends on how busy you are and whatnot. Uh, set aside time to spend time learning on the things you need to learn. If you don't spend, set aside time, it won't get done. If you don't set aside time, it won't get done. But uh, planning it ahead, especially if you plan in blocks, like just one focused hour, you can do a lot in one focused hour, even half an hour. If a person only has half an hour a day, if you're a busy parent and you only have half an hour a day, half an hour a day, six days a week, like taking Sunday off, that's three hours a week of reading. That's about a book every two weeks. The average book takes six to eight hours to read. Like, even half an hour a day, if it's consistent and focused, can do a lot. And if, if you're single, you have more than half an hour a day. I assure you, you have more than half an hour a day. You probably have four to six on top of your 40-hour-a-week job. Second one, um, use audiobooks. Like if, if you spend time driving or exercising, use audiobooks. I get an extra four hours a weekend of audiobooks. That's two books, that's a book every two weeks. I meant, if last time I said two books a week, I meant one book every two weeks. Um, but just, well, from listening to audiobooks when I drive to work and when I drive back, and when I exercise for 30 minutes a day, um, not even every day, just three days a week. That's two extra books a week on top of anything I would otherwise get done. Like, you got to take advantage of audiobooks. You should be trying to make the most of your time. And audiobooks, some of us have more um, tasks that we could be listening to something to than others, especially if you drive a lot. Driving is something where it's easy to listen to an audiobook and pay attention to it and still do the thing you're doing. Do pay attention while you're driving, but driving doesn't take a lot of attention. <laughs> Maybe mine should take more. 
but take advantage of audiobooks and audio learning. And my, my third point, um, again, this applies especially to single people, cut down on the things that waste time in your life and replace them with learning. Like what? Like Xbox. <laughs> so I, I think if a person spent an hour a day on Xbox, if you like, you know, you're working uh, sun up to sundown and will work as in job, dinner, studying, and you want an hour a day to play video games just before bed, that's cool, that's great. If you're spending more than an hour a day every day, you're spending too much time. If you're doing the same with TV, you're spending too much time. TV, YouTube, Facebook, Reddit, um, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, whatever. Anything like that that you're spending more than an hour a day on on weekdays. You know, if it's the weekend and you've been working diligently throughout the week, that's different. It's the weekend. But if you're spending more than an hour a day on stuff like that, you should cut down to an hour a day. Spend other time learning and creating things. Gaining things, being productive, obtaining profit. Knowledge is profit. You store it up like wealth. And it's worth more than gold and silver. And um, consistency is key. You know, if you, even if you're a very busy parent and you've only got 30 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day every day for a year, that's 24 books a year if it's reading books. 20 to 24. Like, you can get a lot done in a year. It's about consistency. Consistency is key. All right. Key number three. You need to have ways to remember what you learn. Um, so I really have two things for this. Note-taking and knowledge documentation. So let's talk about note-taking. Taking notes helps you remember even if you never look at them. Um, if you don't believe me, just try it. And if you've tried it, then I'm sure you believe me. It's almost unanimously agreed upon. And moreover, if you write good notes, looking at them can be very helpful. So I'm not going to go too deep into this. Uh, one thing about writing notes and even highlighting, highlighting in books, the same kind of applies to both of them. Um, you know, don't write down everything. That won't be helpful for remembering. You write down the important stuff, especially what's relevant and what's applicable. If something's relevant to your life and it's applicable, it's like an action item, it's something you can do, it's something that changes the way you need to see things or changes the way you do things, that's relevant and that's applicable. That's something that should be written down. But, you know, the point of taking notes, again, if, if you write down everything, you're not even going to be paying attention. You're only going to be paying attention to your writing. So don't write down everything. Um, or if you're reading a book, you'd have time to pay attention, but it's going to take you more than twice as long as it should because you're literally rewriting the book, but you already have the book, so what's the point? <laughs> so don't, don't write down everything. You're taking notes and you're highlighting is to get a concise version of the important stuff. That is your goal. This is especially a helpful view when highlighting. So... When I get a book, uh, or I'm reading a book on Kindle, I try to highlight it in such a way where if I forgot it and I picked it up again in four years and I only read my highlights, the whole thing would come back to me. And that is an accomplishable goal. You can highlight less than 10% of the book with most books, and if it's the right stuff, if four years later you've uh, you can't really remember it. If you just look at your highlights, the rest will come back to you if they're good highlights. And that should be your goal. Taking when reading through a book that you have the permission to highlight. If it's a library book, it's unadvisable. Uh, <laughs> it's, 
even though I'm known for being cheap or being frugal, that's why I don't actually get library books. I'd rather just, even if it would be a waste of money, I'd rather waste the money and have the ability to relearn it quickly later. You know, buy knowledge and do not sell it. It's worth more than gold. I'll gladly, like I have an allotted space in my budget for wasting money on books I could be getting for free. And I don't care. Sometimes I buy a book twice, an audiobook and a Kindle, just so I can do them both at the same time because it helps me get it better sometimes. But you know, if a book is worth more than the money you pay for it, if it's a good book. So don't be afraid to waste money on books. And then, once you get taking some good notes and some good highlights, revisit it from time to time. Um, one thing that might be helpful, so if you think about when you're reading a book, how long is it probably going to be before I don't really think about this subject anymore? Mm, a year, three years? Might be a good idea to just set a date in your calendar. We've all got calendars on your phone. You could set a little reminder. It could even just be the sentence, do you remember such and such, question mark. Go back and read your notes and highlights if you don't. All right, key thing number four. You need to make plans to apply what you learn. Um, so, hmm, I need to hurry up a bit. So let's take a look at some verses real quick. Some verses on the importance of application. Luke 8.18. Take care how you take care then how you hear or how you listen. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Why does he say take care how you listen? You're supposed to do the things that you hear. How do we know that? Let's look at Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus again. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat down on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Lastly, uh, we don't have time to read this, but, you know, the parable of the talents, I just want to make the statement, you can write this down, knowledge unapplied equals talents uninvested. Knowledge unapplied equals talents uninvested. And when it comes to that principle of to the, you know, to him who has more will be given, you know, why would God give you more knowledge if you don't use what he already gave you? <sighs> All right. So, how to make good plans to apply a thing. So, when doing your learning, either after you get done reading or during the sermon while you're listening to it, make a list of the things that need applied or that could be applied. Number one, make a list. I should have made a list for this. Number two, think about how to apply them. Number three, make goals with deadlines. Like, I want to start applying this by such and such a date. And then have a way of holding yourself accountable. So again, reminders on phones, they're great. Like, set a date, 30 days, something from now, whenever your goal is, and ask, just have a reminder on your phone, did you start applying this? And then 30 days from now, your phone's going to ask you, did you start applying this? If you didn't, Go back to your plan. Go back to making a plan. Make a better plan. 
and pray and ask God for grace. Maybe talk to a friend about it or your discipler. But just to repeat that, how to make good plans for how to apply things. Make a list of the things that need applied. Number one. Number two, think about how do you apply them. And number three, make goals with deadlines and hold yourself accountable. So these four things, um, we'll give some time for taking notes on them briefly. But if you do these four things, if you do all four of these, it's going to be hard to not be learning and growing while doing all four of these things. You're going to have to try. Like, if, if you do all four of these, if you're learning from God's word, you know what you need to learn from God's word that you don't. You get a list from your discipler, and you, um, and you spend the time on it consistently, and you have ways of remembering what you're learning, and you make plans to apply it, and you hold yourself accountable. It's going to be hard. You're going to grow. That's the point. So four things, I would write it down or take a picture. These are effective. If you don't do these, you should start. All right, I'm going to only go three minutes over. Three more minutes and then we're done. Okay. Maybe four more minutes. Uh, all right, last part. Overcoming common hindrances. So I've got three hindrances that I have um, some things that I would say something about. So number one, let's say you're dealing with lack of motivation, specifically lack of motivation to study. I have two tips for that. You gotta just force yourself to start. So I frequently have lack of motivation. I had lack of motivation last night while preparing this and yesterday at Panera and you know throughout the week sometimes, but Forcing yourself to start. Starting is the hardest part. I remember I learned this the most clearly back when I had to do the dishes when I was like 16. I always hated doing dishes, but once I started, I didn't care. Like, starting is the hardest part. Once you just force yourself to do it, it gets better. So just force yourself to start. It always looks and feels harder than it is when you haven't started yet. So if you don't feel like reading, start reading. Five minutes later, you'll probably feel like it, or more so. Number two, find a good place to study. For some people, that might be a library. For me, that's a library. For some people, that it might be more helpful to study in their bedroom. But have a place that's quiet and where you're not distracted. Uh, hindrance number two, or um, I don't have time to study. Yes, yes you do, uh, especially if you're single. You either don't care enough or you're not being creative enough. If you actually are very, very busy, then you need to be creative and just find ways to get learning into your day anyways. Audiobooks, even super busy people. I'm super busy most weeks and I can get an extra 24 books in a year via audiobooks if I'm actually consistent about using all the time I have for it. For it. Do we have time to do this? We're gonna, all right, real quick, closing up. Objection number three, I don't need to study or I don't need to learn about that. Let's go to one of my favorite passages from the Proverbs. Proverbs 26, 1 through 12. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its fitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. A whip is for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Answer, answer a fool according to his folly, lest you um, be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who binds a stone in a sling, you know, it's not going to go anywhere, that's the point of the sling, is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard. 
like a dog that returns to his vomit, is a fool who repeats his folly. So that's a long list of bad things to say about a fool. It's pretty bad to be the fool. You know what it says all that to say? Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Like, that's a great buildup just to put that on top of it. Do you see someone who thinks they don't need to learn? There's more hope for a fool than for him. And there's not much hope for the fool. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't think that you don't need to learn. It's not, it's pretty bleak if you think you don't need to learn. You've got some heart issues you need to work on and you need to pray for God's grace for. All right, conclusion. So, just some application steps. You see this list? Fill it out today or this week. Make a knowledge hit list. We all could afford knowledge in these eight areas. Fill it out, make your list, talk to people who know a lot in these areas, use Google, <laughs> use tables of contents. Number two, make a timeline for the things on your hit list for like, what do I want to learn about this? When do I want to learn about it? And set aside time to learn it. Number three, if you haven't finished the foundational book list, it doesn't take long. You know, the times of each book have been provided on the spreadsheet. Finish the foundational book list. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to learn from your word. We pray that you would bless us with a greater hunger for knowledge. We pray that you'd also bless us with humility and with character. We pray that we wouldn't become arrogant in knowledge. And we pray that we wouldn't have knowledge without character. We pray that um, you would just pour out your love in our hearts and you would give us insight about how to use our time well and manage it well and have time for learning. We pray that you'd bless us with effectiveness in our studies and we pray that most of all we would come to know you deeper so that we might worship you deeper, Lord. We pray that we'd be more effective at all the things you've called us to do and we'd learn how to do that. Thank you for your grace and amen.